this morning I, I'm actually speaking on grace. <laughs> and it wasn't until Friday when I had a chance to prepare my message. And, and I, really, I really just felt God impress it on my heart to share on this this morning. And, and um, James had already picked the song list. And then when I saw the, the run sheet after I finished preparing, and I was like, well, good choice, team. <laughs> and so I feel like, you know, I feel like there was a confirmation to me this morning that God wants to, wants to speak to us and really wants to share something with us. And as we stand, as we, um, we sing about his grace and we talk about his grace, and Ben and I were having a conversation about it the other day and just, you know, going, what actually is the grace of God? What does that look like? And I think sometimes when we've been around it so long and we've sung about it and we've talked about it, we go, yeah, yeah, the grace of God. But it's like, man, I think sometimes we just need to come back and take a few moments and just ponder on it and reflect on it because it truly is life-changing, all right? Um, just before I start, I just want to share with you guys because I've just been, you know, amazed by this. Oh, Firstly, yes, this is mine and Ben's last Sunday out here, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. Um, um, you're not allowed to talk about it like we've died, all right? <laughs> like, honestly, some of you are so sweet and so lovely, but people are talking about it like we're, like we're dying and we're going, okay? We're not, <laughs> all right? We're still part of the same church, and it is a little bit of kind of a, a funny paradox because we're not going to be here in the same capacity that we have been here. But we're all still part of the same church, right? We're all still building the same kingdom. We will be out here from time to time. There'll be things when we do all together. There'll be, you know, it's just the family's growing. And so there's a shift and a shuffle around. And, and um, yeah, and we'll talk about that later. You guys have got to hold it together. But you've got to remember, you're not allowed to talk about it like we've died. Sorry? I've got, yeah. Yeah, well, let's all be honest. It's probably not going to happen. It's all right. Elizabeth's already given me a hanky. <laughs> oh, you want me to switch to the other one now? I'm muted. How did I do that? Uh, there's no mute button. Okay, can one of you guys come fix it, please? I'm not even sure how to how I've done that, and I don't know how to fix it. Sorry. Aren't we thankful for tech teams? Oh, that one. Here we go. Are we good? No. No. <laughs> Keep going? All right, there we go. Oh, good job. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. I got in trouble last week because Ben was on sound and I went to the bathroom before the service and I muted my microphone and I was like, I need to turn that back on. And I forgot to turn that back on. And then he panicked because he's like, what is going on? So the big like, woo, that wasn't him, that was me. And as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun car ride home. But <laughs> He was very gracious about it. He was very gracious. But anyway, I wanted to share with you guys tonight. Emma's going to share a little later on. We've got prayer meeting tonight. But can I encourage you guys, come along to them. You know, this week we've seen the most incredible answer to prayer. Um, Pastor Udom over in Thailand, um, he's had some health battles in the past. He's had cancer. God has miraculously healed him of that. And then um, on Wednesday it was confirmed that he got had COVID. And he went into hospital. He was struggling massively with his breathing. It was... We were really deeply concerned. And so we were calling everyone to prayer. The Thai church was praying and... And, um, and, you know, miraculously, on Friday morning, Lorraine sent me a message. She's like, I've just been speaking to him. 
and he has had an incredible and personal encounter with Jesus in his hospital room. I'm like, isn't that amazing? <laughs> and, and that he wholeheartedly believes that Jesus has healed him. But the doctors won't let him go home yet. <laughs> but he, had, he just had such a peace. And God had just encountered him in that place. And you know, I just thought it was so amazing because we've been praying that there's a lot of people that have been saying as they've ended up in hospital with COVID and stuff, that because people can't touch them, people can't go into those spaces, they're isolated, that suddenly they can identify with being the lepers in the Bible. But we're going to serve a Jesus who reaches out his hand to the lepers, right? And so we prayed and believed that Jesus would stretch out his hands. And, you know, sometimes, you, you know, we pray and we pray in faith that God will answer those prayers, but then sometimes he answers them and you go, wow, <laughs> you know, isn't that just amazing? So it just reminded me again of the power of prayer, the power of corporate prayer, of joining with the Thai church and joining together and really seeking God's kingdom because we know that God has placed his kingdom within us, right? He is wanting to do it, but he's going to do it through us. And so, um, you know, we're seeing God starting to shift and some move things and we want to get on that train and we want to be part of that. And we know that what he is doing within our church, across the campuses, you're going to see a video later on of QE2 and the highlights. And, you know, God is just doing incredible stuff. And so I encourage you, come along and be a part of that. We prioritize prayer as a church because we know that nothing happens without it, right? Yeah. Well, um, guys, can I get a timer down the back, please? That'd be awesome. Thank you. But anyway, I want to share with you guys about grace. You know, we often sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Yeah, we all know that song. It is world-renowned. But I wondered, have you heard the story of John, John Newton who wrote it? I was amazed to learn a few things about him as I studied it this week. See, he wrote it for a New Year's Day service because as a minister, he wanted to give his people a song that they could sing as they went back into their hard and arduous and sometimes hopeless work after they had been gathered together. He reflected on his own journey of a mother who had instilled a faith in him at a young age, but had passed away while his father was at sea. His dad returned and quickly married a young Italian woman who had they had another child with, and John Newton, in time, was pushed aside. He left for a life on the seas and soon grew to have one of the worst reputations on the ship, which was really quite something. He worked on ships and trading in the commodity of human lives now bound in slavery. At one point, he became a slave himself, but escaped only to become a captain of a slave trading ship. At 22, as his ship got caught in a massive storm, he was woken by his screaming crew. As he made it to the deck before his eyes, one of his crew was washed away washed away as a massive wave came over the boat, never to be seen again. As he made it to the steering wheel and as the boat began to sink, Newton cried out to the God of his mother to show mercy on them. After 11 hours at the wheel, the storm began to settle and John Newton had had his encounter with God, which had forever changed him. This began a slow journey back to faith. As the word slowly spread of his miraculous story, he was invited to share his story. When after many years he felt a call to ministry and applied to be ordained, he was rejected 
because he wasn't deemed a suitable character. Eventually, the door opened and he was rushed through in the midst of desperation for ministers. And he began to step into more leadership roles. He spent the last part of his life advocating for the abolishment of slavery and sharing his painful testimony of how slaves were treated on the ships he worked on and how his evidence became some of the evidence that led to the breakthrough that William Wilberforce needed to see slavery become abolished. And a few months before he died, he saw it come into law. For a man whose life had been radically changed and redeemed, and then by the grace of God have his story set free those he was once a part of holding captive. These were the words he wrote that he hoped would help people would hold, to hold in their heart as they went into their weeks. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relived. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. The Lord hath promised good to me, his word my hope and secures. He will my shield and portion be, as long as life endures. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, with no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Isn't that the message of hope that we carry? See, grace is spoken about in many different parts of the Bible. The word ken was first used in Genesis 6 verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. See, it's important when we're doing our Bible study that we look at the first use of it because it sets it up for the context to which the word was intended. The Lord saw the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and within the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. The word is in use repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. For example, when Queen Esther came before the king, she petitioned the king for Ken, for grace, and it was Ken that was shown to her. And then in the New Testament, it is used to describe Jesus himself. In John, 4, John 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Luke 2 verse 40, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. In John 1 16, out of the fullness we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. Then it is spoken about in the early church in Acts 4 verse 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. 
In Acts 6 verse 8, Now Stephen was a man full of grace and power, performing great wonders and signs among the people. In Acts 11.23, when he arrived and saw that the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. In Acts 14.3, so Paul and Barnabas spent some considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Grace is a characteristic used to describe God. It is a gift from him that we are able to receive, to carry, and to give to others. It confirms and sustains the message of hope in Jesus that we carry. You know, throughout history, people have wrestled with the concept of grace. Some swung it too far, and some it was a struggle to embrace it at all. So how do you feel about grace? A favor, adoration from God that seems so much greater than what we feel we deserve. Do you struggle to accept it, feeling like you should do more for God to deserve it? Have you ever taken it too freely for granted? Maybe you haven't thought much about it at all. Billy Graham was a man who gave his life to share the good news of what Jesus had done in his life, and he used to share this story. When Billy was driving through a small southern town, he was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. Graham admitted his guilt, but was told by the officer he would have to appear in court. The judge asked, guilty or not guilty? When Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the limit. Suddenly, the judge recognized the famous minister. You have violated the law, he said. The fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you. He took a $10 bill from his own wallet, attached it to the ticket, and then took Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. That, said Graham, is how God treats repentant sinners. But it's also so much more than that. St. Augustine said, For grace is given not because of what, what we have done, because we have done good works, but in order that we may be able to do them. And the author Max Licato says, grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. See, Jesus' story told a story that's recorded in the book of Matthew. As Jesus gave one of the many illustrations to describe what the kingdom of God is like. It's a little bit long, but bear with me as we read it together. For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, which was an average wage, and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go out and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again at noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and still found others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those that came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. 
These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friends. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I give you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Do you know, this story is only mentioned in Matthew's gospel. And I wonder, was it because it so resonated with Matthew that he didn't think he was ever going to be the one who God would open and welcome his arms to? The tax collectors were despised by their people. They were traitors and even worse were the ones who were holding them to the oppression of the Roman rule. Matthew was an outcast who had betrayed his people and became rich in doing it. In Matthew's account of Jesus, he doesn't tell the story of the prodigal son. Only Luke does that. And I wonder if that resonated with Matthew when he heard Jesus tell, his, this, tell this story, was that it wasn't that he had had the opportunity and squandered it, but it was that he was invited and treated the same by Jesus, when by everyone else's standards he should have been treated differently, even left out in the streets, just like the last workers invited to work in the vineyard in the last hour. But Jesus had seen him, and called him with a favor and adoration that he could never have earned in his own strength. It is good to remind us that God doesn't love us any more when we are at our best than when he loves us at our worst. He is just as in love with us when we are at our worst as well as when he's pieced us all together and we're doing great. Exodus 34.6 describes God as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. And grace is the gift that he extends to us, unearned favor. He delights in us. He cherishes us, just as the king looked at Esther. And as we experience it, we have capacity to give that same gift to others. But how easy is it when we have been working in the fields for a while, working from that first early shift to become resentful of what God is doing in the lives of others? We hold back on extending grace to them because we have been working all day and they've come in at the last minute and God is showing extravagant favor or we resent God for not showing us more. A long time ago, I used to be a rower. I'm sure you can tell by my stature. And um, part of it was we would do, have training runs and um, one we were doing in a holiday was a training camp and we... Had, they dropped us at the bottom of Dyer's Pass Road and we had to run up Dyer's Pass Road and all the way through up to the sign of the Kiwi and then we had to run back down. And um, as we were running back down, I was um, running with a friend and um, 
we were chatting away because we'd sort of done the hard part and now was the fun part when you're running downhill, right? And as we were talking, she'd stopped concentrating and I was looking over at her and then all of a sudden she goes, boof, straight into a lamppost. <laughs> and as any good friend would do, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed <laughs> and I tried to help her up but I laughed and I laughed and I was like, I cannot believe you did that. But what happened? We had both taken our eyes off the course that we had been called to run. And so we missed the upcoming lamppost and we didn't move accordingly. When we lift our eyes off the journey that God has called us to run, we lose sight of the grace that has been shown to us. And when we've been in the fields for a while, we can lose some of the wonder of the grace that we have experienced in Jesus. We look over and become envious of what God is doing in others, that we take our eyes off what Jesus has been doing in us. And we question the fairness of Jesus. But faithful is the one who called us and gave us his word. You know, the message version of 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, you've been in the stadium and seen the athletes. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. Isn't that a great promise to hold on to? (coughs) Jesus has invited us into the vineyard and given us work to do. It is by his grace that he has offered us a place to tend soil, to plant seeds, to water crop, and to reap a harvest. His vineyard is the kingdom of God, and he has a place for all of us, whether we feel like we've been there since the first shift or we've been called in the last hour. It is his grace that calls us into the kingdom and his goodness to us that compels us to share that there is space for more. Romans 5 verse 2 says, And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Team, if you'd like to come back. So let us continue to fix our eyes on Jesus. And let the song of praise that forever fills our lips be amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. How would you stand with me this morning? As the team leads us in this next song, 
let's take a few moments to fix our eyes again on Jesus. The hope that we can find in him. How he has restored us to the Father. has given us the assurance of eternity with him. Not because of who we are or what we have done, but because of who he is and the opportunities that we have to share that incredibly good news with others.